This is Publishers Weekly Radio, the authority on all things books and publishing, with everything you need to know, from your favorite books and the world in which they live, to bestseller lists and publishing news. Here's the inside story on your favorite story. Publishers Weekly Radio, with your hosts, Rose Fox and Mark Rotella. Hello and welcome to Publishers Weekly Radio on Sirius XM Book Radio, Channel 80. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox, Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly. We are bringing you the very best of book talk. And we're coming to you directly from PW's offices in New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. We're here for you and we want to answer your questions. So send them to us at uh, pwradio at publishersweekly.com or tweet them to... Pub Weekly Radio. That's Pub WKLY Radio. Today, editor Brian White is going to call in and tell us about his crowdfunded fiction magazine called Fireside. And then we'll talk with PW senior news editor Calvin Reed, who has a live report for us from the Tools of Change conference going on right now here in New York. But first, we've got a sneak peek at next week's Publishers Weekly bestseller list, powered by Nielsen Bookscan. So what do we have on the list, Rose? Well, it's all about the nonfiction this week. Yes. Uh, not much change from last week's mm-hmm. fiction list, but some, some very interesting new nonfiction titles. Scientology is the buzzword. Uh, Jenna Miscavige-Hill's Beyond Belief uh, debuts at number 14 on the nonfiction hardcover list. And Lawrence Wright's Going Clear, which is his expose of Scientology, is just above it at number 12. I can say Scientology has been getting a lot of talk on, on radio, on TV, pretty much everywhere in the last week and a half, um, maybe two weeks, uh, given especially these uh, books that have been coming out. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's really amazing. And it's also happening with uh, Pope Benedict's uh, resignation. Yes. And uh, just taking a look at uh, a book that's publishing, actually coming out on Thursday, uh, it is Why Priests by Gary Wills. Uh, that's That's got a slated print run of about 100,000 copies. Gary Wills is the best-selling author of Papal Sin and the book Why I Am Catholic. And here he talks about are priests necessary in today's age? And it, it seems it seem, you know, very uh, uh, in, timely with uh, Pope Benedict setting, you know, s- stepping down and seeing what the Catholic Church decides to do. So I, I have a feeling we're going to be seeing this book, especially in light of the, the news, uh, uh, on, our seller, on our bestseller list sometime next week. Mm-hmm. Um, also, coming out uh, this week is uh, just jumping to... Uh, cookbooks is Nigella Lawson's Nigelissima. Nigella Lawson, um, any of you foodies or home cooks out there, will know her from the Food Channel. And uh, she, she's known for her closely photographed recipes as she's making them. Uh, English uh, author and uh, uh, TV personality. This is her first Italian cookbook, Italian-based cookbook. And um, I, I think it should be uh, getting a lot of shows. She's a, a lot of places. She's also going to be on uh, a new show. And so we're going to be seeing this. I wouldn't be surprised if we see this on our bestseller list. But it looks like we may also have some other, uh, just taking a look back at uh, this week's bestseller list for nonfiction. And we have two brand new books. Mark Rutland's Relaunch uh, comes in at number 16 
about reviving ailing businesses and organizations. And then we have Lisa Gibbons, Take Two, uh, just one step next at 17, which is, uh, I guess, a more personal take on rebooting your life. We also have, in, in, in kind of uh, uh, keeping in a business theme, theme, is Ed Whitaker's American Turnaround on the Reinvention of AT&T and General Motors. Now, is there anything at all on fiction, or is that just kind of a flatline this week? Um, there's not much on the bestseller list for fiction, but there are some notable books just coming out. Oh, great. Um, in the, on the young adult and children's side, we don't talk about that too much, but there's definitely right. some, some major books there. Uh, and this week, the buzz is all about Marissa Meyer's Scarlet. This is her mm. second young adult novel, and it mixes fairy tales and science fiction adventure. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So, so you have Cinderella great. living on a moon colony, and um, Scarlet is Little Red Riding Hood, and she and her grandmother have to deal with with a, uh, a genetically engineered wolfman. Um, these, these sound pretty spectacular, and we gave this book, Scarlet, a starred review in Publishers Weekly. So it's definitely worth checking out. Now, has that been done before? I'm sure it has in the science fiction well, community. Well, you know, but it's always kind of- interesting to see what people mash up and how. Off the top of my head, um, I can't think of, of anyone else who's done this particular sort of overt fairy tale retelling sure. with science fictional elements um, and this is definitely aimed at the young adult audience you know the, the fans of the hunger games and other right. dystopian type oh, books fantastic i'm rose fox and i'm mark rotella and this is publishers weekly radio we're talking about the bestseller list that's going to be printed in next week's issue of publishers weekly and also some other notable books that are coming out this week um, there's actually a couple of big launches on the science fiction and fantasy side, uh, which, as you know, is very dear to my heart. Marie Brennan's yeah. A Natural History of Dragons. Uh, this is a, a science-minded ladies' journal of dragon hunting in an unusual alternate Victorian era. Uh, so imagine Victorian England, uh, except that people seem to be more or less Jewish instead of Christian, and there are really? dragons everywhere, um, small and large, and uh, a very proper lady who just loves these dragons and and loves natural history convinces her husband to bring her along on a dragon hunting expedition in a faraway country oh. and so they they uh, they go and encounter the the usual assortment of strange local customs and uh mysterious creatures and have we already reviewed this book we have we gave it a starred review uh, and also marie brennan wrote a bit about it for pw tip sheet which you can find on our website publishersweekly.com so head over there she talks a bit about the art because of course as a scientist journal it includes illustrations of the creatures they find including some very scientific illustrations of dissection and uh, you know what it looks like when Mm -hmm. you hunt down and kill a dragon and study it Oh, it sounds great. It sounds, well, there's a, 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 a an animated uh, Pixar movie that came out last year, How to Train a Dragon. And so it That's seems right. like uh, dragon themes are, are uh, kind of buzzing around this last year or so. They are indeed. And um, also coming out, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, just came out recently, uh, one of my favorite books so far this year is Alison Atley's The Typewriter Girl. This is set in the actual Victorian era. This is straight up historical romance. This is a a kind of remarkable, unusual role reversal romance in that the hero is a very shy, proper guy uh, who's looking to marry for social advancement. And the heroine is a filthy mouthed libertine uh, (laughs) who's determined to make her own way in the world. Rose, it sounds like your kind of book. It's totally my kind of book. You know it is. (laughs) Right. 
but I, you know, I, I like these books that that subvert the the historical romance expectations that mm-hmm. the woman will be shy and retiring, and the man will be the dashing rake. And this time, she's the one with all the experience seducing him, and he's the one saying, "I'm not so sure about this." Oh wow, oh, sounds great. Sounds like you got three good books right there, though. Yeah, I, I think I think it's the time of year when we're starting to see. Um, what we think of as early spring books, even though there's still snow on the ground and more mm-hmm. coming here in New York. Uh, but you know, this is, this is when we start seeing um, big debuts come out and, and other big titles that people are starting to get into once we're out of the Christmas and new year's gift buying season and starting mm-hmm. to look ahead. Fantastic. And uh, if I may, I, I may just plug a newsletter that uh, Publishers oh, Weekly puts out. And that is the one that I edit, Cooking the Books. And uh, there's two cookbooks. I already mentioned one, Nigella, that I'll be highlighting uh, in my next issue of Cooking the Books. Uh, and for those of you who are interested in getting that or any of our newsletters, you can go to PublishersWeekly.com, go to Newsletters, click, and sign up for them. I have, in addition to Nigella Lawson talking about her three most essential cookbooks, I have a a recipe report where I have one writer uh, and cook who uh, I I set a book to. They take a look at the book, pick out a recipe, try out the recipe, maybe try it out again, maybe try it out a third time. Wow, it's a hard life. It's a hard life. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're highlighting uh, from Mama's Table to Mine, Bobby Dean. Uh, this is the son of uh, chef and TV personality, Paula Dean. Mm-hmm. And we have a very wonderful Valentine's Cape coming out in that one. And that's, that book is coming out this week. And there's one other book that is a little bit different from others uh, uh, that we've discussed. And this is more of a parenting um, how-to uh, but sociolo- sociology book. It's called Sticks and Stones, The Problem of Bullying and How to Solve It by Emily uh, Bazelon. And this is coming out by Random House. And this, in, in schools, I think the last year or two, bullying has become a hot-button issue. Absolutely. Um, and this book addresses... Uh, uh, one of the this issue it's um it's a nice size book that that covers everything and uh we gave it a star review in publishers weekly and this will probably be the go-to book for parents teachers administrators on the uh, concept of bullying in our schools well that sounds like a really valuable tool and and with such a a wide uh, overview, it means that it's really going to be useful for a lot of people. Yes, yes, definitely. I think so. And it, does it cover all types of bullying as well? Yes, all types. Yeah. Yeah, from uh, 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 even to cyberbullying uh, to, to many others. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like a great tool for parents and teachers to have in their toolbox. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm Mark Rotella. And I'm Rose Fox, and this is Publishers Weekly Radio. Next up, we're going to be talking with editor Brian White about Fireside Magazine. This is his groundbreaking, crowdfunded magazine, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Mark Rotella. And I'm Rose Fox. Welcome back. You're listening to Publishers Weekly Radio, direct from the PW offices in New York City. Every week we get insider info from one of our editors at Publishers Weekly. And today we have PW Senior News Editor Calvin Reed and recurring guest uh, calling us with a live report from the Tools of Change Conference. Calvin, thank you for uh, calling in. My pleasure. Greetings uh, from Times Square, New York. 
Ah, so Times Square, right here in New York. Tell us, first of all, what is the Tools of Change conference? The Tools of Change is essentially a digital publishing conference focused on the, the, the paradigm shift in the book industry from moving uh, inexorably from print to digital. And it basically looks at what's happening uh, and essentially what are the tools to help you change it. It was organized by uh, O'Reilly Media, uh, founded by Tim O'Reilly, uh, the founder there. And uh, they have built it into really one of the go-to festivals looking at how this industry is grappling with the, the digital transition. So who's there? Are, are these are these readers, publishers, booksellers? Who shows well, up at this conference? Interesting you should put it that way. A little bit of, uh, of all of the above. I mean, it's focused on really the publishing professional, but there's, there's a little something going on here for everyone from the, you know, the hardcore programmer to the, uh, uh, the hairy publicist to the CEO looking at, uh, looking at the big picture of how uh, uh, digital publishing is going to affect uh, their bottom line. So really, it turned itself into a digital festival for the book publishing world. And it really, there's something here for, for pretty much everybody from editors to, um, to IT guys and gals. Yeah. Well, okay, so can you describe where you are in Times Square? Describe the uh, the setting, what's it look like, and um, maybe how many people might might be attending? We're in the heart of the Great White Way on Broadway. It's at the, the Marriott Marquis Hotel, the uh, the mammoth uh, bunker-like hotel structure uh, <laughs> in the heart of Times Square. Uh, it's, a, it's a very glossy up-in hotel. And I mean, look, I would say that there was certainly well, probably around or more than a 1,000 uh, people in the main ballroom this morning for the keynote addresses. So it, oh, that's impressive. Every year. So I would say after the keynotes, there's the breakout groups uh, of panels and focus groups on all manner of stuff, everything from very technical articles about you know, EPUB 3 and HTML5 and coding and programming to really, you know, social media and how it's affecting book programming. I mean, there are really, um, there's something here for everybody in the book industry that in terms of how your job will probably change over the next few years. So, so tell us what that keynote speech was about. Well, the keynotes this morning were, were pretty interesting. Um, in particular, uh, Tim O'Reilly, uh, the uh, publisher and the founder of O'Reilly Media, gave gave a uh, gave a talk. I mean, in 2002, he he wrote a uh, a, a pretty famous essay. Uh, I don't remember the exact title of it now, but the, the gist of it was that um, that digital piracy was a kind of a form of progressive taxation. In other words, the only the worst thing about not being pirated because is that it meant that you were obscure and nobody cared about your content. So mm-hmm. uh, he put forward that as an early kind of proponent that um, that the, the the sharing the uh, the the freemium model the uh, of giving something away to get people the ability to basically to distribute content widely and really cheaply in the digital era was a, it was actually going to help publishing as opposed to uh, hurt it. Now. It also obviously is going to change publishing dramatically. So Tim uh, was kind of discussing uh, really, as he put it, how the fear of the future is fading. Nearly uh, 10 years later, he's looking across the landscape and seeing how, uh, how digital distribution is changing everything, uh, how publishers are, are realizing there are opportunities in dis- distribution, that authors and, and uh, even bookstores who are under pressure now are actually using this new digital era to find new opportunities to, to, to get books into the hands of readers. So he was, his whole talk, and I think the title about it was something about the new optimism. Uh, some reasons for optimism is what it was called. 
So uh, he gave a, an interesting look at how you, kind of how we've got to now, this, the state of the book publishing industry today. But these are still pretty controversial concepts. I mean, I know a lot of publishers are, are still very focused on the old model where someone gives you money and you give them a book. And, and the idea of, of handing out books for free or of people just being able to, to download whatever they want, there are a lot of concerns about how publishers are going to stay in business because at some point money does need to come from somewhere. So how, how are people addressing those concerns and how are the publishers reacting to this idea? Well, that... I think Tim, Tim addressed that or Mr. O'Reilly addressed that really in that is, is that this new environment has actually allowed publishers I mean, according to him, publishers actually have learned that, hey, this, this, it's not all downside. We are also able to reach readers in ways that we never had before. Social media has transformed um, book marketing and book promotion. Authors now are more fully vested as partners to publishers in promotion. Um, you know, when I got into the book publishing industry uh, far too many years ago for me to actually give uh, an exact number, uh, I recall... <laughs> Book publishers discouraging authors from doing their own publicity. Well, of course, we we know how far we've come since then. And mm-hmm. it, it it also he also is it talks about the ways that social media, online the you know, the, the online ability and and the various platforms like YouTube to actually um, make books a component of something bigger. At the same time, while enlarging their audience. One of the things he, he was talking about was that it's, it's more than the book. And he talked about, actually about the, the, the Green Brothers, you know, what, uh, John and, and Hank, um, who brought together one, one, one brother is a writer and he has that fabulous, uh, bestseller, um, the title, which is escaping me at the moment. The Fault in but Our he, Stars. But I believe he's, oh. they recently, recently were able to sell out Carnegie Hall between, mm-hmm. uh, their notoriety on, on YouTube. Uh, and they're fans of their printed, of this, uh, printed book. They've created, you know, something that's way bigger, uh, you know, than the sum of its parts. So mm-hmm. these were the kinds of things, uh, um, uh, that, that he was pointing to that actually he feels has, um, really grown the market. For instance, he talked a great deal about it. In fact, it's print book sales while declining has actually stabilized. Um, you know, publishers are, are discovering new properties, uh, you know, new ways to make money. So, uh, and um, he says that uh, he talked a little bit about, you know, about the movie industry, though they were complaining, you know, 10 years ago, they're still complaining today. But he feels, <laughs> nevertheless, the, the movie business is making more money than it's ever made before, despite complaining about piracy. Once again, uh, he, uh, he wanted to bring uh, attention to the notion that, the future, which we're kind of living in now, in some ways, is not the frightening, scary place that uh, many people sometimes uh, try to project it to be. I'm Mark Rotella, and you're listening to Publishers Weekly Radio. Right now, PW Senior News Editor Calvin Reed is telling us about uh, the innovations being discussed at the Tools of Change Conference. And uh, you just mentioned that Tim O'Reilly is saying that uh, he's, he's the one who's uh, 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 in charge of this and, and kind of brought this together. Uh, you, you just mentioned that uh, the film industry is making more money than it has. Does he predict that the uh, book industry has the uh, potential to make more money? Yeah, I mean, he did have some figures up there, uh, mostly pointing to the fact that um, the, that he saw print sales 
has stabilized it. Because, you know, his, his publishing company, O'Reilly Media, has kind of been at the forefront of really coming up with new ways to package books and digital, you know, print and digital mm-hmm. together. I mean, they, uh, to, to, to come up with new business models, that's another byproduct of this, this great uh, transition to digital is that I've never seen so many, and that's kind of one part of the discussion going on also. Uh, we've never seen so many new business models from uh, the subscription kind of all-you-can-eat. O'Reilly has a, um, a subsidiary, Safari Books, that you know allows you to pay a monthly fee and you have access to a library of thousands of, uh, of titles, primarily aimed at the professional and uh, tech market. But mm-hmm. in some ways, it uh, does show a possible path for like uh, a rather new revenue for book publishers. Wow, wonderful. And... Well, can you describe first the last panel you attended and who was there? Do you have maybe writers or, or hopeful writers? Yeah, you know, um, what I tend to do is sort of drift around and try to pop my head into what seems to be the most interesting yeah. panel going on. Uh, I, uh, I was able to see a couple of things. There was actually also, they have a startup presentation, and there, there were actually a, a number of, of small beginning companies showing off their wares and showing off how they're, um, you know, using digital technology that were very useful. But the le- one of the more interesting panels I went to today was the uh, also a look at new business models, and I think it was called Between the Big Six and Self-Publishing, you know, digital first ventures that are coming up with new ways to do business. When you say the big six, we are talking about uh, for our listeners the big six, yes, the big six uh, publishing yes, for houses. Those not in the not in the biz. Right. Yeah, so the big six are the, uh, really the the big New York City publishing houses. There's six of them that are generally referred to as the big six. Mm-hmm. I guess we should revise that down with now to the big five. Uh, with the last merger, the, uh, the uh, forthcoming merger of the Penguin and Random House, but uh, those two would be part of this uh, coterie. Uh, there's also well, let me make sure I've got them right here. McMillan. Um, Simon and Schuster. Um, who am I leaving out? <laughs> Come on, help me out, publishing. Well, you've colleagues. got the Random House. You've got the uh, uh, Penguin Putnam. Penguin. Um, Simon and Schuster, Harper Collins. Right, Harper Collins. Right. So these are, these are generally these are considered the big six. Now these are the, the, the you know the six biggest publishers in North America. But of course there are other many very large uh, mm-hmm. trade book publishing houses in New York. But the, the panel really was looking at really three uh, very interesting small businesses. Among them, the Eight of This, uh, which was a, um, uh, a a startup that uh, basically was out to create a sort of hybrid publishing product, somewhere between a book and a magazine article, and also spice it up with multimedia content, with video and animation and sound, and really a new kind of journalism. Uh, there was also, um, oh, before you go on, can you talk yeah. just a little bit more about the Adivist? I mean, this is something, so it's sure. something that this is print, uh, but also it has an online presence with, presence sure. with, uh, video. Sure. Sure. The Adivist is a, is a, is a, a really a digital publishing venture that, uh, created, has done a, 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 quite a bit of publishing over the last year or so, uh, in what you would sort of call long form Multimedia journalism. Essentially, the um, the founders of this company they they got enough seed money to launch uh, a venture that they assign traditional journalism articles. I mean, many of their writers are, uh, have worked for the New Yorker, um, you know, really for top of the line, um, you know, uh, magazine journalism. And uh, you come to them, you pitch a story. If they like it, they'll um, assign you to do it. You get a you get a small advance. 
and you get a revenue share, or rather a royalty, uh, you do the story in, in many ways, the old-fashioned journalism way. You go out, you report the story, you bring it back, it gets fact-checked and, and edited, then it changes. Then it moves over to the digital side where they add a whole variety of bells and whistles, everything from animation and sound to video. Um, and then it goes on sale via the aid of this app, or they also sell in the multimedia version, uh, which is allows you to read it on uh, your iPhone or on your iPad or other tablet. Uh, they also publish simple, flat, unmultimedia versions of the stories through various digital outlets, including Amazon. Uh, and it's been a very successful um, kind of model for them, uh, including having a number of sort of 100,000 and more um, uh, selling titles. And their technology and their approach really caught the eye of some big investors. And they, are, they were brought in to be a part of Brightline, which is the Barry Diller, Scott Rudin, ebook publishing venture launched about six months ago. But they stepped in, made a, an investment in the Adavis, and the Adavis is a partner because they make it clear that they're not, you know, they're not owned by Brightline, but they are a close, a very close partner sharing both their technology, their experience in creating multimedia content, and working with Brightline, which, as I was told, because I actually um, did uh, talk a little bit with uh, Evan Ratliff, one of the founders of the Adivis. I um, mean, how did how did they work together? Uh, and he laughed and said, "Well, you know, even though they've got like about, you know, I think they've got thirty or forty million dollars investment to get this thing going." He says, "Well, Brightline is a startup too, but basically, mm-hmm. what they do to work there, they are working together with Brightline, and they uh, Brightline eBooks will be released." Under the aid of this um, imprint, and I suspect that there's a lot of consultation and partnership going on both behind the scenes with editing and uh, with technology. Because the other thing that the aid of this do, and stop me if I'm rambling. <laughs> no, no, go ahead, Calvin. <laughs> the aid of this has created uh, its own technology. Essentially, they've created a, a CMS, a you know, content management system. And as they built their stories up, they've been able to kind of regularize their process and create with their programmers an engine and a software tool that allows, basically allows them to do this faster and easier after they've been doing it for a year, but also to license out their technology uh, to other publishers. So they, they also give you a clue as, uh, to how the new digital market is moving. Um, new venture startup, they develop uh, the technology for publishing in this new multimedia fashion, and then as they get to a certain point, they can license this technology out as another revenue stream for them. So uh, Adivis is really one of the more uh, interesting small startups that seems to be having a big impact on partners that are a lot, a lot bigger and have a lot more resources than they do. I'm Rose Fox, and you're listening to Publishers Weekly Radio. And right now, PW Senior News Editor Calvin Reed is giving us the rundown on the Tools of Change Conference, which is going on right now here in New York City. Uh, so, Calvin, I was just wondering, for these multimedia books, I'm always interested in how people find them. You know, I know that you can go to Amazon and search on an author and download an ebook, and you can go to your bookstore and ask for recommendation, and the friendly clerk mm-hmm. will help you find something. But for these multimedia uh, extravaganzas, how does one get their hands on it? How do, how do readers know that they're out there? How do they look for them, and how do they buy them and download them? 
Well, that's that's you know that's a very interesting uh, question that you've asked, and I mean the short answer is, of course, is that um, depending on the device you own, you go to the uh, the the online access storefront that you have. If you've got an Apple device, then you go to the iBook store, or you go to uh, to the App Store. If you've got a um, uh, an Android uh, uh, platform device, then you would go to to Google Play to get you know apps and, and eBooks and enhanced eBooks. But one of the uh, one of the signature uh, presentations at Tools of Change this year was by a um, <laughs> excuse me a a, a publish a digital publishing vendor by the name of Inkling. Uh, and basically what Inkling did, and rather Inkling's CEO, uh, Matt McInnes did, was he gave a presentation about two new products that they launched. Well, they launched them a little earlier, but they're kind of coming out of beta now, and he kind of gave them a grand launch today. One of them is Inkling Habitat. The other one is Inkling Content Display System. And, and, and what they're doing kind of goes right to the heart of really what you're asking. First of all, uh, Inkling Habitat is a, uh, is a platform that allows publishers to very easily create multimedia content. It basically, they're giving the software away for free. Publishers can use it, and they can sell it through the Inkling um, online site. Now, Inkling has a web store that allows you to do that. But there's one other aspect to, to the retail question that you're asked. Yes, generally speaking, if you want digital content, you go to Apple, you go to Amazon. In fact, probably, well, we know. Amazon dominates this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In right, fact, it's right. a sore point for most booksellers, the power that Amazon has. But mm-hmm. you also can go to Amazon. You can go to BNN.com uh, for, for new content. Um, but what Inkling has, is offering is a essentially a way to turn web searches into web fronts, into, excuse me, web storefronts. Mm-hmm. What the Inkling content display system does is it structures any book that is put into the Inkling format, and uh, Inkling is signing up, you know, scores of publishers who are curious about experimenting with this. Uh, once your book is created in Inkling content, they have a deal uh, that they've worked out with Google to that indexes the content of your multimedia ebook um, in a way that Google book searches can find it. Their next step is that they construct a copy of the book online so that when you do a search online, so to say, for wine tasting, a sommelier, or, or something like that, mm-hmm. Inkling has a book, for instance, on, I think it's called Wine Simplified, or How to Be a Wine Lover, or something of that nature. You will get a link that will take you directly inside of this multimedia book. Hmm. Now, you will have limited hmm. access. You can't read the whole thing. You can move around within 10 or 20 pages. All of the multimedia content works. But one more thing. Now, this is a web search. You haven't had to go to Amazon or, or a, you know, announced retailer. <clears throat> once, you're, once you click through the link, not only are you inside the book, but you are able, you're offered a buy button that lets you buy you the whole book or buy chapters. This wow. Is, this, yes. It's, it's, that's, and that's what most publishers are saying when they see it. <laughs> because, mm. and as uh, and Matt McInnes says, we can show your customers your book and let them buy it before they ever get to Amazon. I feel like we've really this seen this this shift over time where the web browsers, where people do 
pretty much everything. Like for example, you you don't need Microsoft Word anymore. You can use Google Docs, and you, know, you don't true. you don't need uh, an email program. You have your email on the web. And now this is moving books into the web domain as well. This Absolutely. is saying, you know, you Absolutely. don't need to download an ebook. You just search for it like you would search for any other website. And if Absolutely. I'm looking for I don't know, a, a biography of Nelson Mandela, I might come up with the Wikipedia page or I might come up with uh, some academic university website about or I might come up with one of these Inkling books that's a biography yeah. that I could buy. More and more, you, you will. And you'll have the opportunity to buy it on the spot. Now, not just buy the book. Maybe you only want the, you know, the chapter you know, on red wine. Right. You know, maybe you don't want the chapter on white wine. Um, <laughs> you can do that, too. And mm -hmm. so that, so McGinnis was certainly creating a buzz you know, once again, you know, people were familiar with these products, but they really got a full launch at this year's TOC. So, yes, discoverability, and in fact, this is almost another level of discoverability with, uh, with retail functionality added to it, is really at the heart of among the discussions that are going on in book publishing today. So we've been speaking with Calvin Reed, who is our senior news editor. He was calling us from the Tools of Change conference in uh, Times Square at the Marriott Marquis, which is for years where they had the National Book Award. So it seems like That's a uh, fitting place to, uh, to have this uh, conference. Thank you so much, Calvin. I'm Mark Rotella. And I'm Rose Fox, and you've been listening to Publishers Weekly Radio. If you want to hear your question on the air next week, just email it to pwradio at publishersweekly.com or tweet it at pubweeklyradio. That's pub, W-K-L-Y, radio on Twitter. We would love to hear from you. Tune in next week for more excellent book talk right here on Sirius XM Book Radio, Channel 80. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Publishers Weekly Radio Show.